You are listening to a podcast of Risen Savior Lutheran Church in Chula Vista, California. Growing in faith, living in hope, serving in love, all to the glory of God. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Jump back to May 2002. Family of six makes their way across the country. They enter into California for the very first time. They don't know what they're exactly they're going to be running into here. They learn a lot of things over the time from their seven-year-old growing up to being a 19-year-old. They had a five-year-old, a four-year-old, an 18-month-old. I'm talking about us, of course. And some of the things that we learned that I didn't know very well was what a tri-tip was, fish taco, double-double animal style. Don't exactly know how I-805 and I-5 have to have a the before them. Finally understood what I, B, P, B, and O, B all are. Finally found out what a chula is, and a cholo, and a lumpia. Got to know you better. Got to know you better over these 12 years, and got to know California better, and you got to know us a little better. Some of you and other people thought I had a Canadian accent when I came here. My littlest one now doesn't talk with a Wisconsin accent like my wife does saying Wisconsin, but instead he says bag instead of bag like they do in the Midwest. You got to know us a little better over the time of 12 years and we get to know each other and grow together. The Apostle Paul knew the Ephesian Christians because he had spent a lot of time with them, three, three and a half years at least with them. Got to know them as a congregation. You can just imagine at that time of the Apostle Paul, there weren't a lot of distractions with all the things going on. People had their lives, yes, and they had their jobs and their careers and things that they were doing. But boy, was the community probably a little bit more tight-knit and in contact with one another than maybe we are today being spread out from Chula Vista to Imperial Beach and over toward Coronado and up into San Diego, Paradise Hills. We're kind of all spread out. You think of that group in Ephesus, probably more together. Though it was a larger city, a very much a commercial city, you got to know these people. And toward the end of his life, he's in prison in Rome. He writes a letter to these Christians, not because there's problems there, but he writes to them a letter of praising God for His amazing grace that he's been given, and that he's given to them. And the section we're looking at today is a portion of Scripture here where we see the Apostle prays for his people. He prays for these dear ones, these loved ones in this Christian congregation in Ephesus. And this is some, a prayer that he wants them to hold on to because it's vital, it's important, it's life-saving. And it all has to do with this triune God whose glory and praise we're bringing to today. He prays for them 
I want you to know him better. The Apostle Paul's prayer for those Ephesian Christians was, I want you to know him, your triune God, better. And on this last Sunday, as your pastor, same, same prayer, same prayer for you. Listen to again the beginning part. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Right in those opening verses of our lesson today, he shows us the triune God, exactly who he is, Father, Son, Spirit. He starts off by bringing our Lord Jesus Christ into it. When he thinks about his God, that's who he pictured, our Lord Jesus Christ. As ones who had grown up in the shadow of Diana's temple in Ephesus, as ones who had been in the shadow of this seventh wonder of the world, of the ancient world, where even artists constructed models of the temple and sold them for people to put in their homes, as they had grown up in this culture of unbelief, paganism, separation from the triune God, his prayer for these people now who had come to know Jesus Christ was, this is the God I want you to keep knowing, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who rules over all, the one who is rescuer from sin because he saw these Ephesian Christians and he knew without this Jesus they were lost, they were condemned, they had no hope. They needed what Jesus brought. They needed him to be that Christ. The one God had set apart from eternity to be the substitute for the world. They needed him, that God. He knew their hearts. Because Paul wasn't any different from they were from them. Because he was a simple man, like they were, sin covered through and through, who needed a rescuer, who needed anointed one, who needed the powerful Lord of the universe to act on his behalf. And he says, and this one, this one was sent by our glorious Father. When you think of that word glorious, what image comes to mind? The Bible uses the word glory in the Old Testament for the amazing work of God in describing Him, the glory of the Lord. The Hebrew word, the kavod Adonai. That's that pillar of fire that led them out of Egypt to the promised land by night. He was that pillar of cloud by day. It was that fiery image that landed in the temple. The glory of the Lord. God is with his people. It takes you and makes you push back. It brings awe to you, the glory of the Lord. And this is that glorious Father. On a day today in which we thank those who serve as fathers, those who have an important task, those who have a high calling to be spiritual leaders in their homes, 
to take care of their families, to be protectors and providers, caregivers, ones who raise children. It's a day like today when you think about the work of a father, you get a little bit of a glimpse of what your God is like, don't you? A God who is there to be your spiritual protector. A God who provides everything you need and a God who takes care of you because you are his dear own child. He takes care of you because your brother Jesus has brought you into the family of God. You can say he's father. That's why Paul could say that. The glorious father. The one I can approach in prayer that spirit of wisdom and revelation. He brings the Holy Spirit into it because you think of where those people in Ephesus had been. Their faith life, dead, dormant, no life, not even a spark, not even a hint until the Spirit took that word of the gospel and took those waters of baptism and brought and breathed life into these dead, lifeless souls. And he brought them the wisdom to know exactly how they get to heaven through the cross of Jesus Christ. And he brought them a revelation and opened up and pulled back the door and pulled back that curtain to allow them to see into heaven's throne room to be able to view in vivid display a substitute and Savior on a cross. He pulled that back for those hearts to grasp it and hold on to it and see it's theirs. Because without that spirit, it would be shut up and hidden. And Paul says, that's my prayer for you. I want you to know this God better. Father, Son, Spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't that the most important thing we could ever know? The Father, the Son, the Spirit, as we put ourselves right in the sandals of the Ephesians <laughs> and see where we've come from, how God has breathed life into us, many through the waters of baptism is where their entry into the Christian church came. That beautiful gospel message somebody shared with you that the Spirit worked and brought wisdom to your heart and opened up the door on your eyes of faith to see that man on that cross is your substitute. He's your brother. He's brought you to your Father who cares for you in every way. My prayer for you, dear Christian friends, that you continue to know better this triune God and exactly who He is because there is no substitute out there. And so many are clamoring and clawing for your attention and trying to grab your faith. But there is no substitute for this triune God. My prayer for you is know Him better. And the amazing thing is what we need to know Him better is because of the great things He has done. And listen to how Paul describes it too. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his, in, in his, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. I pray, 
Paul continues a prayer, doesn't he? That your eyes may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart be enlightened. You think about how people want illumination, enlightened in their thinking. And you find that in some of the pagan religions, that's what they teach, don't they? A a true enlightenment. In the New Age movement, you become enlightened when you understand the universe and become one with it, is what they tell us. They didn't invent that, did they? The one who is truly the one who brings light to darkened hearts, enlightens them, that's our triune God. And Paul says, I pray that your heart may be enlightened and illumined so that you exactly see everything he has in store for you. That the eyes of your faith may focus in on him. That you may see and not be blind. That you may continue to understand, not just know facts, but take them in and hold them dearly. That is being enlightened in your heart. And that you have a hope in which you are, into which you have been called. Again, when the Bible uses the word hope, we've talked about this before, it's not a wishful thinking thing, it's a, an anticipation. And the hope that the Spirit has planted in your heart, that the triune God has brought to you, is a hope of I can't wait for the resurrection of the dead. My body raised to life. I can't wait to be restored with my soul, standing before my God in His judgment seat. I can't wait to be reunited with those loved ones, those believers whom we have laid to rest in the ground and look forward to that reunion. I can't wait to be reunited with loved ones that miles may separate. We may never see each other again here on earth, but we have the reunion of heaven to look forward to. The hope of enjoying exactly what he's prepared for us, a glorious inheritance. It's interesting that word glorious kind of has the idea that you, it really grabs your attention. It makes you take notice. Your inheritance That's being a son and daughter of your heavenly Father. That means it's yours and it's guaranteed. The glorious inheritance that it takes you to step back and helps you to see that's the riches I truly have. An eternity with my God and everything He blesses and showers upon me in heaven where there is no more tears or sorrow or sickness or sadness, no mourning, no death, no crying, no pain. All this inheritance is mine and yours. And you take notice of it because that allows you to take on Satan and his attacks here on earth. When your faith is challenged, when a sinful society around you wants you to trip up and fall, knowing your glorious inheritance helps you to take them on and go on the attack because I know you can't take this away from me. You can take everything away from me here on earth, but that, my inheritance, you can't. That glorious inheritance that I can take a step back and in awe, see it as a certainty. He equips you to face those attacks with his glorious inheritance. 
And then, of course, he also tells us that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked not only in the present age but also in the one to come. The power that he uses to bring you and me to faith. The same power he used to bring his son back from being a lifeless corpse. That his son was able to walk out of a tomb on Easter Sunday and declare victory over death, hell, and Satan, and sin. And be able to declare you and me a victor with him. That same power he used, he says, I use that to bring you to faith. Don't take that lightly. Think about that for a moment. He uses that almighty power to bring his son to life, to seat him on the right hand of God, ruling over all authority, everything under his feet. Place him in this position that no one can knock him off of. And he uses that same power to bring you to faith. That was no small task, taking you and me from being pagan unbelievers, enemies of God, shaking our fists at Him, and bringing us to life, bringing faith into our hearts, to have them trust and hold on to Him as our dear own. Bringing someone to faith is not a small accomplishment. It seems so small and simple with simple water, doesn't it? It seems so minor and powerless by simply sharing a message of Jesus Christ. Just words. But he takes those means, those tools, and he brings faith into dead hearts. He exerts amazing power, strength, might, and it's overwhelming. I can't comprehend it. Neither can you. When he brings someone to faith, rejoice at that miracle. That's a big accomplishment. And rejoice that he's brought you and used that same power on you to bring you to be his very own in faith. I want you to get to know him better, this triune God. Not only that he is the Father, Son, and Spirit as our triune God, but that he is the one who brings us a hope, an inheritance. He's the one who brings us to faith, glorious riches. Over the last 12 years, I've gotten to know you better because I've been able to be at the birth of your children and visit you in the hospital. I've been able to splash the waters of baptism on their heads and declare they are children of God in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We had a great opportunity to get to know you better by sitting around your kitchen tables and going through the difficult times that you're going through. 
crying with you, laughing with you, visiting you after surgery, talking to you about your marriage, parenting, been able to stand with you at the grave of your friend, your brother, your son, father, been able to bring the comfort of Jesus Christ. We've gotten to know each other better over these last 12 years, and I will truly treasure that. Can't replace that. Especially that I've had this opportunity to share the message of Jesus with you in our classes. Interesting to look back, seeing 25 households here of the 60 or so came through the Bible information class while I was here, and so got to help you on your walk of faith as it just be, had begun, and I treasure that. Been able to spend time in the Sunday Bible class, the men's breakfast Bible studies, and our in-home Bible studies growing together. Irreplaceable time. Getting to know each other better. But I want you to know Him even better. Your triune God. Better. This person's going away. Another person will come and he'll preach the wonderful message of the gospel to you. Thank God for his church and God providing workers to do that. And what this next pastor will do, and I'm so thankful for it, is he will allow you and bring to you the message of your God, your triune God, and he'll be an answer to my prayer because you'll get to know him even better. Amen. Please stand. Thanks for listening to this Risen Savior podcast. For more information about our church, check us out online at risensavior.us.